like to welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. Is that thing working? Huh? No? Okay, I can talk louder. I'd like to welcome all of you to the house of the Lord this morning. Glad everybody's here that can make it. Sure that we'll be blessed by our efforts of coming to his house of this morning to uh, remember our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's open our service with the singing of number 19, number 9, number 9. Our Heavenly Father, we come to Thee this morning in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, to invite the presence of Thy Holy Spirit to be with us this day as we come to remember the sacrifice our Lord Jesus Christ made for each one of us. We pray that You would be with our brother this morning as he stands in Your stead to bring the words for our consideration. And pray that You would be with those that couldn't be with us this morning, that they might be with us in spirit, and that they might... Feel your holy presence with them. And these things that ask and give 
thanks for in Christ's holy name. Amen. From the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, we will read the first 14 verses. And Jesus, seeing the multitude, went up into a mountain. And when he was set down, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are they who shall believe on me. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe on your words. When ye shall testify that ye have seen me, and I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe on your words, and come down the depth of humility, and be baptized in my name. For they shall be visited with fire and the Holy Ghost, and shall receive remission of their sins. Yea, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are all they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are all the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are all the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are all they that are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. For ye shall have great joy, and be exceeding glad, for great shall be your reward in heaven. For so persecute they the prophets which were before you. And these words, which constitute the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and the beginning of Christ's ministry and teaching, he lays forth very clearly the attributes of those who seek him, the rewards, rewards which will be bestowed upon them at the end of their lives. These attributes, often referred to among students of the New Testament as the Beatitudes, include being merciful, being a peacemaker, being meek, having a pure heart, and thirsting after righteousness. It is interesting to note for me that many of these same characteristics, or ones that are very similar to them, are listed as the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22-25, which our brother Dennis Evans referenced last week in his message and from Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I do not believe for a second that it is a coincidence that the people who seek after God's kingdom and honor Him will be those who have the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. Today, we have come here to partake of this memorial meal in memory of our risen Savior and His death on the cross on our behalf 2,000 years ago. 
We have been told that by partaking these emblems, the bread and the wine, in remembrance of him and his sacrifice, we are given the calm and godly assurance that he and his spirit will always be present in our lives if we remember him and keep his commandments. We do not believe, as some in our church believe or claim, that partaking of the sacrament renews our baptismal covenant, nor do we believe that consuming the bread and wine forgives us of our sins or that in and of itself absolves us of any wrongdoings we have done. To the best of my knowledge, there is no scriptural basis for either of these beliefs, whether they are the doctrines of man and not the teachings of our Savior. What we do believe and preach, though, is that by partaking of the sacrament, we witness to both God and man our willingness to follow Christ and the example that he set for us upon the earth. Now, at first glance, you might think this sounds an awful lot like renewing the covenant. Now, I can see that with just a surface level reading, you might kind of get that idea. But here's how I kind of personally come to look at the sacrament. Think about a marriage. In the wedding ceremony, both the man and the woman mutually pledge to be each other's companion for the rest of their lives, entering into a second sacred covenant performed before the world. After that, they try their best to be faithful to their spouse and to keep and honor the covenants which they have made, which is made evident by how they respect and honor each other in both public and private conduct. But, inevitably, there are times that they both fall short and repentance, restitution, and forgiveness needs to take place in their relationship, although we would seldom call this renewing the marriage covenant, as this would be done in private and would not involve all the parties who attended the wedding ceremony, nor should it be because the only parties who should be involved are the parties of the marriage itself and God. If the church were to be invited, all that would be result would be nosing about in places we ought not to do so, and creating a fertile opportunity for the church to become engulfed in controversy after controversy when problems in marriages arise and public details are made public which should not be made public. For those of us who have made covenant with Christ, we will find that we conform to this same pattern in our relationship with him. We made covenant with him in the wars of baptism, a public declaration of our willingness to honor him and to follow his example in our lives. After we have made the covenant, we follow his example, and that is how we keep and honor our covenant. But once again, we all know we fall short, and there are times we do not honor him and keep his commandments like we should. And so our recourse is repentance, we do that in public, in private, confessing our sins to him and turning away from them. And then if you're not aware, the word repent in Hebrew means literally to turn around. So repentance does not mean, you know, saying I'm sorry. It means turning around and not doing it again. And if we do this repentance in sincerity of heart, God tells us he for, forgive us. In fact, God even told Alma the elder in Mosiah 11, 139, as often as his people repent, he will forgive it. So our God is a God who forgives infinitely, if we do so in sincerity. I feel that it is vital to note that he did not tell Alma that this repentance could only be done once a month, or only when they partook of the sacrament. It is also equally important to note that this act of repentance is a purely private manner between the sinner and the Savior. It does not require any priesthood members to act as intermediaries between God and man, nor is a subject which warrants the attention of the local branch of the church. 
and when repentance is public, it is only when the offense was public. We do not believe in spreading <clears throat> bad news or dirty laundry. We believe that your private life is that, and that's between you and God, and it's none of our business. And even when we do have public repentance, it is important to note that this is the exception and not the rule, as you might find practice in other Christian churches today. From 3 Nephi chapter 9, starting at verse 40, we find this story of Christ serving the sacrament unto the Nephites and explaining its significance. And it came to pass that he brake bread again and blessed it and gave it to his disciples to eat. And when they had eaten, he commanded them that they should break bread and give it unto the multitude. And when they had given unto the multitude, he also gave them wine to drink and commanded them they should give unto the multitude. Now there had been no bread, neither wine, brought by the disciples of Jesus neither by the multitude. But he truly gave unto them bread to eat, and also wine to drink. And he said unto them, He that eateth this bread, eateth of my body to his soul. And he that drinketh of this wine, drinketh of my blood to his soul. And his soul shall never hunger nor thirst, but shall be filled. Now when the multitude had all eaten and drunk, behold, they were filled with the Spirit. And they did cry out with one voice, and gave glory to Jesus, whom they both saw and heard. Here, Christ serves a sacrament to his followers on this land for the first time since baptizing them into his church earlier. He gives them the instruction to do so, that they might have his Holy Spirit, and that this food and drink will satisfy the satiations of them who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Seeing that we are gathered here this morning to do so, and to partake of this same covenant meal, I feel that those of us gathered here are those who hunger and thirst after this righteousness of God. We are told in Hebrews 11 that the great patriarch Abraham of old sought for a better country, a country whose founder and maker is God the Father himself. Just as the venerable and admirable founding fathers of our great country earnestly sought for a better situation and a better station life for their fellow countrymen, when they declare their independence from the crown of Great Britain 245 years ago this very day, so too do we seek a better station in life, a better, holier way for us to live for both ourselves and for all mankind, as it expressed in our Latter-day Scriptures as the kingdom of God here on earth, even Zion, where mankind will finally be removed from the bonds of sin and death and shielded from the siren songs of gloom despair and rebellion against the Almighty, dwelling in peace and harmony and ending with our God and fellow man forever. This is the promise that he gives unto the faithful. To receive this promise, we must continue to hold fast to the iron rod and to be obedient in all things. And if we do so, he has given us the promise and assurance that he will be with us, he will walk with us, and he will make our burdens light. From Matthew 11, 29 and 30. Then spake Jesus, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May we all accept this invitation of our Savior, and follow with him in the path we have chosen. Thank you.
bow facing the altar as the blessing is read on the bread. O God, the Eternal Father, we ask Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of Thy Son, and witness unto Thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son, and always remember him, and keep his commandments which he has given them, that they may always have his spirit to be with them. Amen. <coughs>
Let us bow once again while we're facing the altar while the blessing is read on the wine. O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this wine to the souls of all those who drink of it, that they may do it in remembrance of the blood of thy Son, which was shed for them, that they may witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they do always remember him, that they may have his spirit to be with them. Amen.
May I pray for us? Our Father, into this sanctuary we have gathered so many times. Into this sanctuary we have come to seek thy shelter, where we have been refreshed and our spirits lifted, our sights cleared, and our ambitions sharpened once again. We heard the words of your servant spoken to us today. I pray, Father, for those that let it enter into their ears and touch their minds and their heart. I give you these people, Father, for your blessing on their lives. May you guide them in, in this time of dilemma, this age of confusion that it seems to be just sweeping through the earth. May these receive that blessing of assurance and that blessing of direction that can only come for, from your scriptures, can only come from the Father that loves us, that guides us, and truly our burden is light compared to those who live and know not God. I pray for those blessings to be given to these gathered here, the blessing of health, that blessing of happiness, that blessing that of love that encompass the family that you have allowed us to be part of, this church family, this family that is closer than blood, this family that is united, that has bound itself together as we bind ourselves to the gospel. These are your friends, your servants. Hold them in the hollow of your hand. Amen. Brother Dean will offer the benediction prayer.